We are in the middle of a month of talking about worship. And this morning we are talking about worshiping in the power of the Holy Spirit. When God is doing a work, wants to start a new work, he always begins with a personal awakening. A personal awakening, that means each person where his spirit resides, he talks to us personally and stirs up, stirs himself up in us. And this morning, I invite you to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice because I am convinced that he wants to start a personal awakening in each one of us this morning. I know he has begun one in me. He has begun one in the leaders of this church. And that is gonna flow down to you because where the leaders go, the people go. And so I just wanna thank you for being here. I invite you to open up your heart to what I am gonna say this morning. We all come from different backgrounds, specifically when it comes to our teaching about the Holy Spirit of God. And some of, some of our teaching has helped us. Some of the teaching has hindered his flow in our life. Some of the experiences that we've seen with our eyes and we've seen people and their own personalities, how they have, have, have attributed things that they've done with the work of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that has wounded people. And then there are those of you here this morning that really don't know much about the Holy Spirit because you're newly saved. So we're going to talk this morning, we're going to read Jesus' words, what he says about this very important person in the Trinity, and then we're going to apply it to our lives. And I am asking that the Holy Spirit will personally awaken each of you this morning. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. We need what God said, what Jesus said, wait. Wait until you are filled with the Holy Spirit because I have asked you to do many things. I've asked you to go and make disciples, lay down your life, pick up your cross, and you're not gonna be able to do any of those things without the power that comes from me living inside you through the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about who he is this morning. Let's give him glory. We want to worship him this morning. But let's start with the verse. I love that we learn about God through the scriptures because the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. When we, when, we, when we see Paul's letters and some of the other people writing, it's always under the inspiration of God's Spirit. So he is actually the author of the Bible. So when we want to learn about him, when we want to learn about God, we look first to the Bible. So Jesus is talking here and I love the context that when he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit, he's not talking to the Pharisees. He's not talking to the religious people. He's not even talking to the crowds of people that he's touching. He waits until an intimate setting 
with his disciples, the people that have joined with him, the people that have committed their life to follow him. And at that point, when he knows the time is near, the time for him to go to be with the Father so that that promise of the Spirit could come and change us to our core. When that time is near, he starts to instruct those closest to him about who the Holy Spirit is. What is his work in our life? How does he bring glory to God? And what power is this that he talks about constantly that is promised to me and to you as a believer? Would you allow the Spirit of God to awaken you this morning? Would you be open to that possibility this morning? Let's see what the Father says. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking people like that to worship him. God is spirit. Those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if there are true worshipers, that tells me that there are, are false worshipers. So how do we know what is a true worshiper of God? I don't want to be among those that the, the end times where God says, I didn't even know who you were. I don't, I don't know who you are. What is a true worshiper? We know that to worship in spirit means that our affection, our emotion, our will, our thoughts are all to be turned toward glorifying God. That's what it means to worship him in spirit. It's not that we leave our bodies and, and somehow are, are worshiping somewhere out of our bodies. No, his Holy Spirit is in us as a believer and with our bodies, with our mind, with our emotions, with our affection, with a will, a determination, a decision we've made, we have said, I will glorify God. That's what it means to worship in spirit. And when it says worship in truth, that means we don't have the luxury of fashioning who God is. We look to his word to say who he has revealed that he is to us. And that is whom we worship. So to worship in spirit and in truth is what God is seeking for. People that will do that is what he is seeking. So let's give instruction here. Now, if we want to meet someone that we've never met before, a good place to start is to be introduced by someone who knows that person very well. And Jesus, of course, is God, and he knows the Holy Spirit, but the disciples are unaware that there is a Holy Spirit. They only know Jesus who walked with them and talked with them and ate with them and laughed with them, and they marveled at the things that he did. And that's all that they could understand about God. But now Jesus is saying, I have a friend. He is God. And let's see what he, how he instructs his disciples, because that is our instruction this morning. Are you with me so far? Amen. Okay. 
Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going away, but I will come back. And I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be inside you. What a strange concept. He knew the disciples would be sad because Jesus is saying, you're not going to see me. I'm not going to walk with you. I'm not going to fry fish with you. I'm not going to minister among you anymore. But what I'm telling you is I am actually, by the power of the Spirit, am going to be inside you. Can you imagine what they, did they have any concept of what that was? I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your memory all the things that I've said to you. Now remember, this is the very first time that they've heard this idea that Jesus is leaving and the Holy Spirit is coming. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of the judgment of sin because they don't believe, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will glorify me and take of what is mine and declare it to you. This is a lot he was saying, and that's why later on he says, you know, I can't, I can't tell you. There's a lot more I could say about this helper that is coming, but that's all I can tell you for right now, he's saying. Because he knew that once the Holy Spirit came, the questions would be answered. So let's unpack this verse for the first few moments and see what this means to us today in the 21st century. Now, our, our doctrine of the Christian faith is that when we accept the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, when we accept the blood that was shed for the cleansing of my sin and your sin, at that point, when we believe that he is the son of God, we believe that he died, ascended into hell, rose from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. When we embrace that teaching, we are what the Bible calls born again. Amen? We are Christians. And at that point, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a deposit, as a seal over our heart and reassures us that we are indeed children of God. So we're going to start at that point from the knowledge that if we have bowed our knee and knelt at the foot of the cross, we have that seal of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was referring to. But I'd like to unpack that verse for just a moment and see what it tells us today. For living our life today. For walking to work today. For being with our families today. The first thing that Jesus wants his disciples to know, and so he wants us to know, is the Holy Spirit is our helper. Now, 
Helper doesn't mean like a mommy's aid or, or a daddy's little helper. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God Almighty, and He is a powerful ally. And the Bible, the Greek word is that He is our advocate. Another translation says that He is our comforter. And so when this helper, this powerful ally, comes to reside in us, comes to live in us, He begins to work in our life if we allow him to work in our life. And here are some things that that verse tells us he does. He leads us to the truth. Remember the, the, the word said that this, the Holy Spirit is also called the spirit of truth. Now, as we unpack these five things to begin with, I'd like you to think how your life would be different even upon salvation. If these things that the Holy Spirit, and this is just one aspect of his personality and character to be our advocate and powerful ally, how would your life be different if you accessed who he says he is in your life, walking day by day, moment by moment? He leads us to truth. How many times, if I think about and the Bible, Eve, in the very beginning, she said, I was deceived. I was tricked. How many times do we need to rely on the spirit of truth to know as we walk through this world, what is the truth and what is a lie? What is real and what is false? And the Holy Spirit has promised that he would lead us to the truth. He will never lead us into falsehood or a lie. He will reveal truth to us. He helps us know what to say and what not to say. Oh, Jesus, if we could get a revelation that the Holy Spirit has come to help us know when to speak, what to say, and God help us what not to say, how would your life be different? If you always knew, we're saying that's not possible. Is it not possible? Or are you not allowing him to speak to you? Are you not listening to his voice? Because Jesus promised he has come to bring this to pass in the life of the people who have invited him in. He convicts us of our sin. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. We want to feel when we have grieved the Holy Spirit. We want to be convicted of our sin because I want access to God. I want to hear his voice. I want to know that when I pray for someone to be sick, they will be healed. I want to know that when I pray deliverance from someone in bondage, they will be set free. And I need that access to the Father. And so when the Holy Spirit convicts me of my sin... I repent and I yield to his voice. That's a good thing. You know, uh, when uh, there's certain diseases that you lose feeling in uh, the nerves and you think, well, what's the bad thing about not having any feeling? Well, when you don't have feeling in your, in your limbs or in your fingers or in your toes, that creates huge problems. And it's the same in the spiritual realm. When you cannot sense, when you can no longer sense the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin, 
the thing that would separate you temporarily from God, that's a problem. And so the Holy Spirit has come to live in us forever to remind us, to convict, that grieves me. Don't do that. Don't join yourself with that. Or, yes, that is my spirit moving. Say yes and agree with that. Let's keep moving. He convicts us of our righteousness. The Holy Spirit, his job as a helper is to remind us that we, because of the blood of Jesus, we are now in right relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you of that. How do we need to be reminded on the days that we have sinned and we repent? We need to be reminded, I am now back in right relationship with God. I don't have to walk through life in guilt. I don't have to walk through life filled with shame. The Holy Spirit reminds me I am in right relationship with God. Amen. He convicts us of our authority. This has got to be one of my favorite of all. In the verse it said, when it, when it talked about he convicts us of judgment, that's referring to the fact that the enemy of, of, of a Christian, the ruler of this world, has already been judged. We're talking about Satan. He has been judged and the cross and the resurrection dealt with him. He has been stripped of power. And in the life of a believer, he will not have dominion over you. He will not rule over you. And so the Holy Spirit reminds us, you're not under the enemy's authority. Your children are not under their authority. Your family is not under their authority. Your finances are not under his authority. The Holy Spirit reminds us reminds us, brings us to our remembrance that we, sin no longer has to have dominion over us. The enemy no longer has dominion over your children, over your family, over your finances, over your health. And the Holy Spirit reminds us, sin will not rule over you anymore. Hallelujah for the Holy Spirit's working in our life. He is our helper. He is our advocate. He is pleading the case for the Father on our behalf. What else does Jesus tell us? The Holy Spirit is our friend. He's not our buddy. He is our friend. We don't have a better friend than the Holy Spirit. His friendship will revolutionize how you walk through this world as a believer. Friendship with the Spirit of God will totally change how you see the world, how the world sees you. His friendship brings four, many others, but we, I'm on a time, ticking time clock, four strengths to your life. And I, just on a side note, I, I believe that Christianity in the 21st century has become a little bit of a mocking point for the world because we say we have power. We say we're the sons and daughters of God. We say that God lives inside of us, but we don't really look much different than your coworker. You still are ridden with anxiety, just like someone who doesn't profess to have God living inside of you. 
And so the Holy Spirit's job as our friend is to show us how to live a life that is victorious. Here's our, the four of the ways that he does that. He said he would bring power to our walk as a Christian. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I know a lot of Christians that have no power. They have soul power. They, they, they have positive affirmations. They have mantras. They have their own strength. But the power that produces fruit that will remain and miracles that come forth comes from the power that only comes from the Holy Spirit. So many of us don't know that power. So many of us are ridden, entangled with sinful habits and addictions and relationships that we can't break free of because we don't have the power that our friend brings to our life. He will bring love to us, his friendship. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. When we read the news, see what's happening in the world, I don't need to belabor this point. The world is aching for people to love one another. And we really can't do that in our own strength anymore. People are no longer civil to one another. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to love the way God has called us to love. When it's not convenient, when it's not comfortable, when that person doesn't love us back so that we don't become touchy and irritable and, and, and sensitive and unforgiving and unloving. That comes from the friendship with the Holy Spirit. Fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Controlling yourself. I always find it interesting when people use the thought or the excuse, well, I don't, I don't want to invite more of the Holy Spirit into my life because I'll be out of control. He's going to make me do something weird. I'm out of control. But that's, that's a lie from your enemy because the fruit that he brings is self-control. Self-control. We'll get to that in a moment. And gifts. I've, I've kind of chopped the verse up a little bit, listed all the gifts, but because of time, um, I took out some of the wording. But the manifestations, please, I invite you to read it at home. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Why? Why does the Holy Spirit bring a gift or gifts to my life? It's not for me. It's for you. And when the Holy Spirit gives you a gift, it's for me. And it's for the body. And people that are standing up preaching, and look how good I am. Look what a great teacher I am. Look what a great healer I am. Look what a great worker of miracles. That's not pleasing to God. It's for the body of Christ, and it's for the glory of God. Okay. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, working of miracles. Now, 
some denominations are happy or aren't pleased or aren't comfortable or whatever with this, but we are just reading what was inspired of the Holy Spirit and we believe it. We believe it. We're trying to walk more and more and more in step with his precious spirit. These are the gifts that he brings that he says, this will be part of your life if you are a believer. So tongues, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all of these things. It's still from the one Holy Spirit distributing these gifts as he decides, individually as he wills. Now, this is a very important point. This is a linchpin for what we're talking about this morning. Having his power available to you and to me is not the same thing as making myself available to his power. It's not the same thing. That power, because we were sealed at the day of our salvation, that power is there. But if I'm not yielded to him, I'm not listening, I'm not asking, he is not filling, I have to yield to be filled with his power, filled with his spirit. I know that um, some people, one of, the, one of the misconceptions, and I'll explain it just a little bit, the best that I understand, they believe that upon salvation, that's all of the Holy Spirit they're ever gonna get. And that is true in the sense that when he comes into your heart, when he comes into your life, he is all in. He brings everything that is resident in, in God, the Holy Spirit, into your heart in that moment. But that's not to say that I have yielded everything in my heart to him in that moment. He is there in fullness, in power, but I have not yielded areas. That's what sanctification is about. That process of the Spirit speaking to me and saying, Crystal, why did you say that? Repent. Crystal, why did you take that? That didn't belong to you. Crystal, why did you go there? That's called sanctification. And as he points out those things to me, and I say, I'm, I'm sorry. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And I yield that habit to him. And I yield that emotion. I, want, I don't want to forgive right now. That person really hurt me. What they did was wrong. Crystal, you can't. Don't, don't hold unforgiveness. He gives you the power to do the thing that he asks you to do. And when you give up that attitude in that moment, when you yield that attitude, when you yield that action, when you yield that emotion, he fills that place with more of himself. So it's not that there's, you get the Holy Spirit more and more. You yield more and more and more. Do you understand that? Thank you. Brothers and sisters, we have to yield to be filled. The Holy Spirit looks for and creates opportunities to connect hurting people with a father who loves them 
and a Savior who died. The reason that our helper brings all of these amazing strengths to our life is because he is looking. The Holy Spirit is looking. He is the one that drew you to God in the very beginning. You were drawn to the Father because of the Holy Spirit. And his activity is still going on in the world today. He is still looking, looking for people to draw to the Father, looking for people to connect with a Savior. And he will use the gifts. You'll be praying with someone or you'll be talking with someone at work. And the Holy Spirit will say, pray for them. The Holy Spirit will give you a word and you might feel embarrassed. Go, you know, does this mean anything to you? Does, 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 a red car mean anything to you? How many times have I seen his spirit work in that way? And I don't necessarily have the gift of prophecy or a word of wisdom. That's not my resident gift. But the Holy Spirit's job is to draw people to the Father and to draw people to the Son and to draw people to the cross and he will use you. And he will use the gifts he's placed in you. He will use the fruit that he is developing in you so that you will forbear, so that you will be patient, so that you will be kind, so that you'll be gentle, so that you'll have self-control. He will use you because his job on the earth is to draw people to himself. Um, just a, just a, a brief context of my story is my childhood, everyone has a different childhood. None of us have a childhood that's the same. But mine was a little bit different than probably most of you here. Um, I was raised in a Quaker church in my formative years. And most people don't even know what Quakers are, except you see the thing of Quaker oats. And that's probably what people think about when they think of Quaker. But think of Amish with good food, the good food of the Amish. The, the Quakers are some incredible bakers and, and cooks. But without the funny clothes and we had electricity. So that's kind of like a, a main difference, but we were very serious. And I see my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord know what I'm talking about. But we were very serious about allowing the Holy Spirit to move among us. And my mother well, we, what we used to call got radically saved. And, not, and everyone is radically saved. Everyone is translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But some people, it's a lot more obvious than others. Some people, they're just, you know, uh, you know, they're kind and they're sweet. And even though they're sinners, they're still kind and sweet and their personalities are gentle. Well, my mother was not that way. She was uh, in a child of nine. She was one of nine children. And it was right after the war. And it was a rough, rough Family. Her brothers and some of her sisters were soldiers in the war, and it was it was it was tough and it was rough. And she did not live a Christian life. Her parents were not believers, and she had a child before she was married. And and she just when she when the Holy Spirit got a hold of her, it was night, and it was day, and so she was determined that her children would walk in the ways of the Lord. So even though we were Quaker and then from the Quaker church, we went on to be Methodist when we moved back to Florida because there really aren't any Quakers here in Florida that we can really see. So my father uh, was a Methodist pastor at that point. But all throughout the different things, my mother was determined that we would, that the Holy Spirit would be part of, of what we did. And so in the summertime, 
while a lot of y'all were going to camps and learning how to swim and, and going to, of course, soccer wasn't really big back, you know, 50 years ago or whatever. Um, it was football and it was baseball. And so while you guys were going to baseball and football, guess what I was doing every summer? Going to camp meeting, going to camp meeting. That sounds like something in another, like a horse and buggy era, but that's what we did in the summers. We went to camp meeting and we saw some wonderful things and we saw some horrific sights. But the Holy Spirit was a part of my life. He's a normal part of my life and he speaks to me like he wants to speak to you. He is the spirit of truth. He will lead you away from error. He will keep you living a life that pleases God. And so as we finish up, let me just say something about some misconceptions that people have about this person of the Trinity, which is called, who is called the Holy Spirit. Um, Pastor Mark alluded to this last week, but people are, one of the lies that the enemy tells us is that if you invite the Holy Spirit's activity in your life, if you invite him and yield your mouth and your hands and your feet to the gifts and to the fruit and to the power and to the love, then you're just going to start being weird. And let me just say that weird is kind of a relative thing. What's weird in one setting isn't going to be weird in another. Like here for us in our culture, we, a lot of us come down front and we sing and we raise our hands and we sing loud. And that's not weird to us. If you're here for the first time, that might be a little, hmm. But since everybody else is doing it, it's not weird. But if we were to take that same exuberance and enthusiasm to another more staid denomination, that would seem weird. So weird kind of is relative, I'll just say that. But the Holy Spirit isn't weird. He is wonderful. He is wonderful. And the, and the, the, the misconception, which is a lie from the enemy, is that he's going to make you weird and you're not going to have anything. You're going to be out of control. You're going to be standing in the line at Publix and you're going to open your mouth and you're going to start singing in Swahili and, and you won't be able to stop. It's going to come gushing out of you like a fire hydrant. But that's not the Holy Spirit. Self-control it's his fruit. We have to, to move in the gifts of the Spirit, and we should all desire to do that. If you need power to live a life that is victorious, if you need the power to live a life that God has called you to live, we need the gifts of the Spirit. We need the fruit of the Spirit. We need His love. We need His power. But to move in those gifts, we have to exercise our will. He's not going to come in and speak through you like a puppet. Sometimes, um, have you ever seen on a movie when there's like a hypnotist or something on the stage and they call for unwitting people in the, in, the, in the crowd and they come up and then by the end, supposedly, they're like clucking like a chicken and stuff like that. That is not the Holy Spirit. We have to exercise our will to move in the gifts that he brings. We have to exercise our faith to move in the gifts that he brings. But we need to do that. We need the power that he promised. Jesus told his disciples, look, 
Don't even try this. Don't try this at home. Don't try this until the Holy Spirit has filled you. It's not gonna be possible. It's not gonna be possible because it's gonna be in your own strength. You're gonna have a rotten attitude. You're gonna end up hating people, the very thing that Jesus came to die for without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that, and I'm gonna ask the pastors to join me on stage. But the Bible says that we have not because we have not asked. And then it goes on to say, another passage, and some of you have asked, and I've not answered your prayer, because you asked with the wrong reason. You're asking to spend it on your passion. You're asking because you are passionate about something. You're asking because you want something, but, but the Holy Spirit is all about glorifying God. The Holy Spirit is all about magnifying the Father. In fact, a lot of times the people don't even know it's Him working because He doesn't talk about Himself. There's no instruction in the Word to pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son through the power that the Spirit brings us. In fact, sometimes He has to intercede for us because we're not praying the way that we should. But we and I would, would you stand with me, please? If you're here this morning, and I'd like our cell leaders to come forward because you are in agreement with what we're gonna pray. If you're tired of trying to live like a Christian, I mean, seriously, it'd be a lot easier. If I were doing this in my own strength, it'd be a lot easier just to, you know, go do something else. But Jesus said, you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to. I'm bringing a powerful ally to live right inside you. He'll never leave. He's not going anywhere. Now you can quench his spirit. You can say no so many times that you no longer hear his voice. But is that what you really want? Or do you want to live a life, a walk that you overcome sin? You overcome adversity. You love those people that don't love you back that you have supernatural gifts and supernatural fruit that He brings. But to have that, we have to yield. We have to yield. Our church is committed to allowing the Holy Spirit to move to allowing Him to change us, a personal awakening in each of us, and as a corporate body, as a leadership, as a leadership, we are committed to pursuing what the Holy Spirit has brought into our life. And I'm gonna ask if any of the pastors have a word and then we're gonna pray. And if you're listening to me, and if the Holy Spirit has revealed something to you, 
if he is quickening your mind or quickening your heart and you believe it's time to wake up, it's time to be stirred. I want to do something in your family. Your children are being carried off to Babylon and I have power and I have peace and I can show you how to pray. I can show you what to say. I can show you what not to say. That is why I am here. That's why I reside. You don't have to live like an orphan anymore. It's like there's this incredible banquet with choice foods and meats and wine. And all we eat are the breadsticks. It's all we eat are the breadsticks. But he's got an incredible banquet for us. I'm going to have this, turn this over to Pastor Peter. Do any of y'all have a word? Aslan has a word, David. Did you? Okay. I feel the Holy Spirit challenging me and some of us here to, that the key to unlocking his power in our life is to filter, like she said, what we let in our eyes and our ears, what we filter through because the, the picture that I see is just a key. And to unlock more of the Holy Spirit's power, we need to watch what is coming in to our eyes and to our mind so that we can move in his power. I think the analogy she used was so powerful about losing feeling in your appendages and you don't, you don't realize what you're bumping against and, and injuring yourself. And so um, I'm just gonna speak a word for anyone who wants it, and myself included, so I'm raising my hand. So join me if you'd like. But Lord, we ask, that you would help us with self-control, with the things that we watch, the music that we listen to, the conversations that we participate in, that if we are starting to watch or be a part of something that will make us less sensitive to you speaking to us, to being able to see pictures from you and hear your words, Lord, convict us. We pray that our spirits would feel that, that we would use wisdom and self-control to turn off the TV, turn off the radio, excuse ourselves from the conversations so that we can keep our spirits open to hearing you in Jesus' name. And I repent and we repent corporately, Lord, for being unsensitive, for being desensitized to the things that are holy and not holy. In Jesus' name, forgive us. And we pray that I just visualize a key, just unlocking a door to being able to hear your spirit more clearly and move in your power. In Jesus' name. Mine is more of a question. Um, so this week I've been fasting and it is amazing how much that shows you you are controlled by other things that aren't the Holy Spirit. And so it has been just a fantastic reminder that there are things that come after me and ask for my attention that draw my attention away from the Holy Spirit. So my question, the, the thought I believe God gave me was, what will you fast to make room for him? What will, where will you relent in your daily life in order to, if we really are saying we want more of God, what are we gonna give up in order to prove that we want more of his influence in our lives? I have a quick word that there's those of you that have like a stain or a taint and you feel like even though it's this small that that's all that people see 
and that you want to minister to people, but you keep on thinking, are they going to see that I'm not healed myself? And that God sees that and he wants to remove the shame and that the Holy Spirit still wants to use you and that shame has no place. And that when that is exposed, he's actually going to use you in a powerful way. I feel like um, I feel like there's a lot of people who don't want to do what the Spirit is calling them to do or to act on the Spirit or to pursue Him because they feel like they're going to have to give up something that they love or that they care about or that they're going to have to leave their lifestyle behind. And my question to you is why hold on to something that's killing you? Why would we not pursue what God is calling us to do? to hold on to something that isn't bringing us life. And I just want to encourage you, do not be afraid to pursue his spirit because he will call you to get rid of things and those are only things that are hurting you. He won't call you to get rid of things that are giving you life and, and things that are helping you pursue what he has for you. He wants you to give up things that are keeping you from his presence. So don't be scared to pursue him because you will be called to change. You will be called to give things up, but these are all things that, that are keeping you from his presence. So don't be scared to pursue him because you feel like there's going to be a lack in your life. That is not of God. That is not how he operates. That's good. <clears throat> the final word I, uh, I had gotten after um, Dr. C was speaking was a picture of the Holy Spirit coming into our houses. And oftentimes what happens is when someone comes into your house, you let them in the front door and you walk in the front door and you say, welcome to my house. But they're really just in your foyer and maybe they reach your kitchen or maybe they reach your living room, but they don't get into your back garden. They don't get into your shed. They don't get your bedrooms. You don't get into your garage where all your junk really is stored, right? And so that's a lot like the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is asking to come into every room in our lives. So what I want us to do right now is I want you to close your eyes and I want you to raise your hands and I want you to receive the Holy Spirit right now and I want to speak the power of the Holy Spirit upon you and whatever the Holy Spirit is revealing to you right now whatever room is in your life maybe it's your refrigerator you need the Holy Spirit to come into your eating habits Maybe it's your liquor cabinet. Maybe you need the Holy Spirit to come into the controls of alcohol. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit needs into your schedule, into your cell phone, into your smartphone, into the stuff that you look at on your computer. The Holy Spirit is asking to get into your bedroom. The Holy Spirit is asking to get into the, into the, the, the garage where is all your junk, all the stuff you hide from your visitors, from your friends, all the other stuff that people don't know about, you're hiding away. The Holy Spirit wants in there. And he wants into your business. And he's asking, even though you've welcomed him into your life, into your house, he wants to inhabit every area of your life. So I want you to repeat after me. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. And I yield to you every corner of my life. And I pray that you would show me supernaturally where I have not given you rights. I have not given you authority. And I say, have your way. Have your way. And I pray you'd fill me up from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Leave no stone unturned. Fill me up in the name of Jesus. And I want you to breathe in right now. Take one deep breath. 
and breathe out. Receive the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Take another deep breath and breathe out. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Take one last deep breath and breathe out. Holy Spirit, we command our bodies to receive you. We command ourselves to receive you. And we ask that you would have your place in our lives, in every area, wherever you have revealed to us that you want in. We, sh we find ourselves opening that door right now in the name of Jesus and letting you get in that door. And we thank you. We thank you that you do come into our lives, that you do free us in ways we'd never imagined. And we're so grateful for what you've done for us. And we ask for your power right now in the name of your of, uh, of the Son who came and saved us and gave us the right for you to be in our lives. And we just thank you for what you have done for us. And all God's people said, amen. Have you had a good day? Have you had a great day? Awesome. May God bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. And remember, Northwest U is coming up. And I believe the Mother's Encounter as well. Thanks for coming today. God bless you all.